Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Hi, it's Jeff Horn. You're listening to 365 Days of Sport. 365 Days of Sport. Yes, good evening and welcome to yet another edition of the greatest sports radio show on the planet. Yes, it's that time of the week again. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Yes, it's time for the Jack Lynx Beef Jerky 365 Days of Sport radio show. And with me, as always, Mr. Rob Bryce. Winter's here, beefy. Apparently, it's a well, cool... it's officially autumn, allegedly. Uh, long shadows. I mean, I've only got probably four weeks of golf left before it goes to the winter time. So then I'm going to have to find time on the weekend to play. When do the clocks go back? That's like the... Normally uh, April. Yeah, I think it's uh, different here than it is in the UK. I kind of always relate to that. I think UK go back early April and we're back late April. I won't check that. I'm starting to feel the pressure on this golf thing. I think I might have peaked. Well, you've well, got nine, ten months I've, to go. I've been, yeah, yeah, but I mean in terms of the, the, f- the fruitful part of the season oh, where I can right. really make Does hay while, while the sun shines. form happening no, like, already? Well, it's a horrendous start again. Mm. Shocking! Our balls going out of bounds and all this sort oh. of stuff. I and on the third hole, Yarabena hit this very good approach. After I'd already lost my ball, though, so oh. I, was, I was trying to recover. Right, and it got caught in the tree. Oh wow! There was just one little branch sticking out that was possibly intentionally what it looked like maybe a little clip of leaf, but yeah. it got stuck, stuck way up high. It's stuck in a tree. Yeah, ninety percent air they are, Rob. Ninety percent oh, air they oh, say. I don't know. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then it was just sort of pretty ordinary. Yeah, I think right. it was like ninety three or something like that. Ninety three. That's no good. No. Are you, are you going better than Tiger Woods? Well, yes, I think uh, most of us are. I'm not sure why that's funny. Or why, why you, you, you can't see people, but he had a smirk on his face when he said that. He's a sick weirdo. Yeah, I know. I just what, find it. What, what was he doing? I mean. He fell asleep at the wheel. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Is that, okay, I didn't know that. There's no sign of any, any breaking in this that come out. Yeah, they, they're fairly, I don't know if it's officially confirmed, but all forensic accounts say it looks exactly classic case of falling asleep at the wheel. Right. No breaking, and all of a sudden, he has no recollection of the crash. No, I, I did see that bit. The strange thing was, I mean, now if he has fallen asleep, it's a left hand. And he's gone extra left. Now, normally you'd go straight on, but he's gone left, so I, it was a bit weird for me. Right. I was reading, though, what was quite strange is he's pretty much addicted to prescription drugs. Painkillers. Yeah, painkillers for his back and now his knee and now yeah. his busted leg. What, what do you mean, pretty much well, addicted? I don't you know, can't was... throw out words like pretty, just casually say he's addicted. He's had issues, Rob. He's just had issues with oh, you're prescription just, drugs. You were becoming one of these shock jock <laughs> smear guys. Oh, I love it. You're yeah. just looking for any damage you can cause left, right, and centre. Give that uh, Rupert Murdoch a call. He'll get some work for out from him. Good, I need Give some him a work. bell. Yeah. yeah. Talking about golf. Uh, We're getting into the news earlier. This is the new trend for this show. What? We normally just talk absolute rubbish for about half an hour. But what? we're getting into the sports news. A Florida golfer is believed to have drowned after falling into a golf club pond while looking for his lost ball. Just munted. What? That's yeah. ridiculous. Give it away. In Florida as well, there's alligators everywhere. alligators everywhere. Was playing golf with a friend. This is what this is weird. He was playing golf with a friend at the East Lake Woodlands Country Club in Oldsmar at about seven thirty seven a.m. Has teed off a hole number three and was last seen looking for his ball near the green. Has Golf cart was parked on the cart path and his putter was found lying on the ground near the water. 
So, okay, he's four, he's got his alligators eating them. Possibly. Deputies were called after Chazmines was reported missing and helped the Oldsmar Fire Department search the wooded area on the edge of the pond. The Pinellas County Sheriff's Office dive team responded and located Chazmines submerged in the water near his putter. Investigators say the evidence suggests Chazmines may have fallen into the water and drowned. Mm. Mm. Deputy spoke with so friends. So, the body's not found then? No, they found the body. It was near his putter. Deputy spoke of friends. Of Jasminez, who says he likes to search the course for lost balls. Ah, oh, he's, he's so he's a basically some poor guy who's got very little money and is trying to make some money off selling some balls. No, back he people. was, well, and this poor pauper has fallen into the water and died. I want to bring you back to the what? very first line of this report. Right, Jasminez was playing golf with a friend. Oh, okay. What was his friend doing? Oh, yeah, that's fair, Paul. He got sick of waiting for him to find all the balls and just hey, him out of here. Emilio, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? He pushed him in the water, perhaps. Oh, hello. Conspiracy. Oh. More shocking news. Shock jocks. Going on. 365 days of sport conspiracy theories here. Yeah. Some, some sort of Mexican drug ring involved. Could yeah. be. And, Colombian, uh, not Mexican. Yeah. Colombian. And John Rambo's moved to Florida. Yeah. And he's involved in there somewhere, and uh, so that's what's happening, I think. So all I was getting at was the story. It's sad news that Emilio Jasminez passed away by drowning in a pond whilst looking for balls. What a hopeless effort. But his mate clearly did nothing. You sure they weren't like doing beer a hole or something? At 7.37am. Wow. Well, it's a better time than ever. Well, yeah. It's nobody's a bit cooler around. that time of the day. <laughs> Especially in Florida. Well, not this time of year, but uh, yeah. Good on his mate for just yeah. calling the police. Terrible, mate. <laughs> wonder Very if he's cool. finished his round <laughs> and then realised... There's a lot of holes in this story. There is a lot of holes in the story. Yeah. Um, now, uh, what's the state capital of Florida, Beefy? Tallahassee, Rob. Good. Where were you on Sunday? Oh, really? We had a pub quiz on Sunday. Right. And that was one of the things. None of What us did you it. say, Miami? No, I was, I was going between Orlando and Tampa, and okay. we went Tampa in the end. Yeah, no, Tallahassee is the state capital yes. of uh, Florida. So we all found Up in out. the northwest of the state as well. Yeah. Normally state capitals. Probably not too far from where the, the uh, little Jack Russell Terrier races. Uh, a bit further north, and that's up near the um, Georgia border, actually. Okay. Normally state capitals tend to be right in the middle of the state. Okay. Weirdly enough, because it's easy to get to for Austin. everyone. Uh, whereas Tallahassee's right up in the northwest, okay. which is a bit weird. Uh, if you're a fan of college sports in, a, in America... Hmm. A lot of the uh, colleges with the state, like Florida State University, are in the state capitals. Mm. So that's a little twig. Uh, okay. Just remind you That's the you little better. thing. Yep. So, Tricky. So if you know your college scene, then that's what you're after. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, that's a very broad church, by the way, that mm-hmm. one, because Texas, the state capital is Austin. Austin. Uh, that's not Texas State University. Mm-hmm. That is University of Texas. Louisiana's Baton Rouge. Yes, it is. Should the be, other one be. is everyone kind of gets Billings, mm-hmm. Billings, Montana. Okay. For no reason at all. Now, uh, I was, uh, are we moving on from the golf story now? Well, yeah, no, we've done the golf story. I had a great win on the punt on Saturday. Oh, really? Finally? Well, the only thing I will say. Did you say, stop after five races, did it you? It was the fifth race. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, my old mate Crone was going around again, you see. It was a good win, not a great win. But it was a Wins great Wins a win, Rob. Pick. Wins a win. Well, there was only, I mean, I just kept looking at this race. There's only eight horses in it. 1,400 well, metres. At least you can get a place. So he's, Top step, three. he's stepping up from the 1,300 to the 1,400, coming down from Queensland to Sydney. The soft track. He loves the soft track. Right. And it's a small field. He'll, I was just like, he'll just sit in the back and he'll just clean these guys up. There's some good horses in there, but it's like, no. He'll get them crying. But no one's backing him. Oh. And he opens at like um, 18s. Wow. And still went into 17, 16, but then drifted out to 20. And I'm looking at this going, 
And just because of this, no one's loving this horse. And I, I, I got scared. I only put a tenner on. Did he go each he, way, though? He destroyed them. No, on the nose. He won easily. Whoa. He won by two links. Yeah. And I saw it coming the whole way, but I only put ten bucks on. Oh, well, still a good return. Not good enough. Not good enough. Need more, Beefy. I want more. <laughs> okay. More, more, more. Oliver, Oliver Twist. Yes, please, sir. Yeah. Did you see the rugby, Rob? Which one? Well, there's only one rugby game. It's the biggest event oh, in the world. Oh, didn't you guys sport. beat England or something? We did beat England. Oh, my God. God. Yes, we did. Lowly. That Lowly Wales. Lowly. What, what was it, 3-0? 40 to 24. What? Yeah. What sort of a game is that? Uh, a good game. Good yeah, game. Well, it good sounds game. like it. What, For, a, what a turnaround. I'm not sure we've ever put 40 on England before, though, which mm. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident we've never put yeah. 40 on England. Uh, yeah, we were ranked ninth in the world before. Yeah. Uh, Australia this- had already beaten you for the World Cup to get through to the quarterfinals, remember? Yes, they already yeah, have in 2025. Already they've already yeah. uh, they've already got that. They've already won the World Cup. Um, and amazingly enough, with that win, Wales have just gone above Australia in the world rankings. Oh, hey, hey. How about <laughs> oh, that's that? going to be a great report when we've come back to that in three years' time. Well, then, so what's the vibe from the, the Welsh what's people vi- now on this new coach? That well, They were saying, get rid of him. We want uh, old uh, Crusaders coach, Scott Robertson. We're still going to get him. No oh, matter what. <laughs> It's quite interesting. The first game... If uh, I was the coach, I'd be going round. I'd do a self-endorsed parade of yeah. myself, just pulling the double fingers at he, the whole... on down the main street of Cardiff. Yeah. Look, okay. Uh, he lost six in a row, and let's face it, he's got a bit lucky this tournament. A little bit lucky. Uh, we, we beat Italy. Well, we haven't played Italy yet. We're 3-0. and oh. We've won all, won all three games. Scotland, Scotland Ireland, Ireland, and England. Triple crown. We've won the triple crown, Rob. Yeah. Scotland had a man sent off. Yeah, late that's on. Right. And you beat them at 9 3 or something? Um, can't remember, 18 16 or something? Yeah. Ireland had a man sent off after 14 minutes. Yeah. We snuck past them 25 24. <laughs> <laughs> and then England, we got gifted two tri- Well, one try where, the- unbelievably, mm. unbelievably, the yep. TMO. Yep. Television Match Official has given us the is try. Is that what it stands for? Yes. Clear that one up. They've given us the try. Everyone in the in the world says, how can it be a try? So what's happened is the wing has juggled the ball and he's kind of run past it and it's hit him on his calf, gone backwards. It's hit the England player on the knee, raced forward 20 metres and the guy's gone in to score. Right. So it should have been because he went forward off his hands originally. So it should have been a knock on. Right. The guy's given us a try. But it didn't touch the ground though, did it? It didn't touch the ground, no. But as soon as it go for- goes forward off your hands. Yeah. Realistically, it is a knock. No, nah, not if you kick it. Well, it's come off the back of his calf. This is the well, thing. Well, that's still part of the below yeah, the knees part a, of the. It's an interesting thing. Hence why Carlos Spencer used to do that knee, well, knee the knee the forward, knee, the knee yeah. forward, and then he gave Wales a penalty. Mm. About 15 metres out, and mm. he told the England captain, mm. said, look, you keep infringing, go and tell your players. Mm. Gave him 10 seconds. All the water guys run on to give people water. Wales basically kicked the ball across the field, winger catches it, puts it down for a try. England right. go mental, <laughs> saying you didn't give us enough time to reset. And he went, yeah. you had enough time. <laughs> so, so it was a Welsh referee, was it? Well, here it is. This is the Wikipedia entry for Pascal Gauzier of France. Pascal Gauzier, born 23rd April 1977, is a referee from Wales who represents the Welsh Rugby Federation at the international level in refereeing. He has officiated the highest level since uh, since 2006, refereeing matches in the club tournament, top 14, Pro 12, Challenge Cup and Heineken Cup. He unfortunately doesn't understand what a knock-on is and is in a relationship with Alan Wynne-Jones. Ah, is that what's... It had to be something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's the new Wikipedia entry for this referee. So So how's Eddie Jones going then? Oh, he's not not a liked man, weirdly enough. And one of the England players... He actually received death threats 
no joke on social media, for not clapping the Wales players off the field. So it's just gone mad. Also, a BBC reporter who asked Owen Farrell some very searching questions. Mm -hmm. She's been given huge uh, threats as well by the English public. I'm telling you, they are going to start policing social media. It's, it's, it's right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People can't just get away with this anonymous abuse of craziness, particularly, obviously, death threats. Oh, it's you, madness. You have to remember, people, it is only a game. Thank you for that. Yeah. It is only a game. And I agree with you. Just yeah. for all those people out there who uh, have lost their minds, that have gone to the vast uh, ends of the political spectrum and uh, and have gone into extremities, lost their minds. You know, there's some Al-Qaeda mental over there and some left-wing hipster over there mm. and uh, Pauline Hanson's over there and Donald Trump's doing his thing. And then, But the, the most of us are in between somewhere. Don't fall in with the nutters. No. Is that what you're saying, Beefy? I'm, I'm with you, Rob. Because you can't just casually just tell people you're going to murder them. <laughs> no, you just can't yeah. casually get them. You should have clapped. I reckon you should die now. <laughs> yeah. Trump, talking to Trumpy in the week. Is he, oh, he's launching back some spells, wasn't he? he he's, was, he's rallying. Oh, my word. 96, appro- 96% approval rating, Rob. I reckon... From um, his own party. I'm, I'm telling you. Unheard of. I'm, tell- I'm telling you. Sports bitches start putting odds up for the chance of America breaking out in the Civil War. It's, mm. it's a chance. Yeah. The only thing that's that's not going to happen is the extreme lefties don't have any access to military. <laughs> it's on, only only the Republican people will have will have like all the guns because all the lefts are like so anti-violence they haven't got any guns. They're going to have to go down and do dodgy trips to Mexico or something. The end old, up going the against old Yankees versus the Southerners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll come back. We'll come right back. Uh, Trump's initial quote was, "Well, Joe Biden has been it's been the worst first month of a presidency." Of all time, <laughs> it's just he hasn't done anything. <laughs> well, I think what I saw someone put up that uh, in his first week he overturned something like thirty basic uh, oh, yeah. laws oh, or something. Or that, something. Yeah. But I think twenty nine of them were ones that Trumpy had done in his time. <laughs> So we had, to, we had to try and get back on track. Or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, I'm very vague. It was something, yeah. <laughs> but it was an amusing post. It was. Mm. Uh, going back to this uh, Welsh rugby thing. So Wales do- has its own kind of government, but it doesn't have any power, right? Yep. So the Welsh Prime Minister... It's just uh, a bit of a, of a it's strut. A token, it's a pose. It's a token uh, yeah. effort. So we have a... So um, how do people feel about the people that are in power of the, of the no power? They think they're in power. So how they, does... <laughs> As we always say, it's the thought that counts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this guy, Mark Drayford, I don't even know what he's called. He's called um, the Welsh... Oh, whatever. He's the leader of Wales. Mark Drakeford. I don't even know if he's Welsh. So, but then, so if, if the Queen comes, he greets him. Yeah, basically. That's, yeah, what he that's is. it. Token. Very um, but he can't make laws. He can't govern. He can't oppress. They can make some kind of regulations. They, they, they haven't really got law-setting privileges in full, I don't think. Is there a sense that he's been bribed by the English to have a good life and now he's just yeah. actually detached from the people and <laughs> yeah. no one likes him? Well, he's never been in a coal mine before. This would basically give you the idea of how he's treated by the Welsh people. Okay. Drakeford says in a tweet, Congratulations to the Welsh rugby squad for their win against England and bringing the triple crown home. The very first response, Daniel Rossiter, Open the pubs, you... C- <laughs> C-word. <laughs> the very first response. 
<laughs> yeah. So that sums it up how he's treated by uh, <laughs> the Welsh people. Oh, well, I would also suggest that open the pubs, you see bombers, and isn't the most intellectual uh, statement in terms well, no, of the that's people. The, that's the feeling. Uh, that's yeah. the feeling. The, 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 the underlying, the subtext of that comment is we want to be together in a warm atmosphere <laughs> yes. so we can embrace each other and celebrate and feel the happy win. as one. Celebrate beating yeah. the English. And it was that, obviously... That's so, what he meant. It was St. Yeah. David's Day yesterday as well, which is the National Day of Wales. So that's what mm. they was really getting at. You, yeah. Really, we need to celebrate St. David's and, Day. And as I've said many a time, intent always overrides interpretation. Oh. But they've misinterpreted what I he love said. That. I, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they did. Yeah, really. Yes. So there you go. Hey, talking about big sporting battles. We talk yeah. about Wales, uh, Wales, England. It's uh, one of the biggest rivalries in uh, female sport right now. Australia, what? New Zealand at netball. Oh, is it when's that on? Well, the first test was tonight, Rob. Oh, it was already on. It was it started the series. What's the cup called? Um, it was in the quiz the other yeah, week. Yeah, it was in the quiz the other week. It's that um, uh, Asia Pacific something. <laughs> it's <not>. <laughs> the, <laughs> the trans. Uh, it's, it's trans. No, it's not trans. No, no, no. It's, it's not. It's not about transgenders, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> it's not trans Tasman. It's not that. It's. Uh, It'll come to me. But it's, think of the it's, stars, uh, Rob. Think of the, the stars. Think of the uh, flags. Yeah, it's the um, constellation. Cup. It is the Constellation Cup. Well done. So the first test was tonight. Uh, I can tell you. That's where I was going with transgenders. I meant constellations. <laughs> I can tell you straight away. The, uh, Stop Kiwi- misinterpreting me. <laughs> the Kiwis win 49-44 in the first test. Did we? Yes. Good stuff. Well done. What Net- get- Netball's just too tense to watch, I find. Very stressful, just the one point each way all the time. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's all... Uh, it's- A lot of screaming, too. Yeah, a lot of screaming, mm. a lot of possession. It's all possession-based. Mm. What gets me about the Constellation Cup, it's a best-of-four series. Mm. Yeah. Why do they always do that? Because there's always a draw, and then it comes down to goals, mm. and it's mental. So it doesn't know. make any sense. I think whoever holds it, if, you get, if you're get, if you 2-all, the previous holders win yeah. win or retain. Well, and that's what happened, because there, there was one year where in the last game we needed to win by 12 goals oh, or something. Uh, oh, so it does and go we, goal difference. In yeah, the it goes goal difference, and we won the last game by only 11 goals. So we didn't oh, win. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um, second test, if you're interested in netball, is uh, Wednesday night. And then the, the weekend, Saturday mm. the 6th and the 7th, is the final two tests. So they, mm. they get it done and dusted. Yeah. Whereas... I mean, I, I, it should be said that that's a clearer, more de- decisive way to pick a winner than, say, if both teams played in a World Cup final and they ended on exactly the same score and then had a super over and ended on the same score and then one team had more boundaries than the other team, something like that. That would be a bit mental. Yeah. But it doesn't matter if you bowl the other team out and they had no wickets no. left in the last ball. I don't know. Doesn't is matter. That, has that ever happened, Rob? Uh, somewhere. I reckon if you look through the history books, you might be able to find something. <laughs> Somewhere, yeah. Mental. <laughs> yes. that, that, that was such, that, actually that came up. That was some in, Indian ICC post today. It says, "Okay, so England get bowled out in two days, and all we hear about is complaints about the pitch." However, you win a grand final with a tied score, and that's fine, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Talking about test matches, five sessions for a test match. That's not bad, is it? Is it what five sets? Is that how quick it, it was? I think it was. Oh, uh, look. It wasn't too long after tea. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that was um, unbelievable. I, I actually didn't, haven't really seen any of well, it. Well, it wasn't hard to miss. The, <laughs> the result. Look, you're in a country that you expect turning pitches, but that seemed to be a bit mental. Is that yeah, fair to say? If yeah. Joe Root takes five for eight. Yeah, um, that, that sums it up. Yeah. Well, what also happened... England only picked one specialist spinner. That's right. India yeah. picked nine specialist spinners. <laughs> <laughs> they might give it away. I saw a joke that Ravi Ashwin's been released from the squad. What? No, 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 sorry. 
but Jasper Bumrah has yeah. been released no from need. the squad. No need. No, no need, need for No need for your number one fast bowler nah, anymore. Don't worry about that. Because when England started bowling in the second innings, mm. Jack Leach and Joe Rowe opened the bowling. Yeah, right. So they caught on yeah. a bit too late. I, I actually think as well, uh, Ravi Ashwin, I think India in the second innings also opened with two spinners. I don't mm-hmm. think Bumrah, I don't know, he may not have even bowled. Mm-hmm. He might bowl one or two overs. But. I had a similar experience uh, playing in my last year at high school, playing against, uh, on the North Shore, Takapuna Grammar or oh, something. Oh, Takapuna. Yeah, it was a crumbling pitch. Yeah. Similar thing. And I ended up, even coming off the long run, having two enclosed fielders on either side because every single thing was just popping off yeah. this pile of dust. So oh, same sort of deal, I think. My early seasons of league cricket in, well, Wales and England with the league we used to play in, mm. it was a 50-over league, but there was no limit on bowling. So you could bowl 25 overs from each end. And a number of times you used to go to away grounds and they mm. had two really good spinners. Mm-hmm. So it would be so dry yeah, yeah, and yeah. it would turn from ball one. And they they would bowl two spinners for 50 overs. Jesus. Mm. There's a, there was a lot of that going on. A lot of that going on. The laziness of it. That's league cricket for you. Yeah. Warney, Warney played in that league. Okay. I don't know about how I feel about that that whole Indian thing. Look, it's a it's a, obviously it's a it's not even a, it, it's an old ground but they've rebuilt it. So it's 110 or 115,000 seater stadium. So whether or not I don't know whether they relayed the pitch or what. I'm not mm-hmm. 100% sure, but I know it's an older ground that they rebuilt. So whether or not that is a, a factor, I have mm-hmm. no idea. But mm-hmm. look, after India lost the first test, they were, these pitches were always going to be absolute mm-hmm. dry as a bone and breaking up turners. How, how long did some of those games go for that, like um, when Australia made like 50 against England at that time and um, and they've been rolled for under 100 a couple of times in, in England or some of those green yeah. wickets? When Jim Lager got 19 wickets and things. Oh, I'm thinking about more recent times. Oh, okay, um, that was still within the, within three days. Yeah, I mean, not not within two. When no, was the last time? It was within two no, days. Hardly, never. Yeah. I remember when Brody got eight for fifteen, didn't he, against the Aussies? Yeah, so when they got ball over sixty-one. Mm. But I don't think because I think England bat fairly well on seeming pitches. So yeah, like you don't get bowled out for what was it? England got 115, India 130 all out. Yeah, and then I England think it's the, it's the reply is the key thing. If both teams yeah. completely capitulating, yeah. no, I think so. Hey bro, if we were on a desert island and there wasn't any grass No grass? Would you eat me to survive? Oh bro, who'd eat a cow? Premium New Zealand beef Jack Leagues, beef up your snack life Hi, this is Jeff Parlin and this is 365 Days of Sport Sting's not working Rob oh, Hold no. on, hold on, let's try again Let's try again, jeez I can't. I don't think I can do this without that sting. I'm Just hold your horses. I'm going to go again. I'm going to find it. Here. I believe in you. Here it is. Technology, Rob. It's time for Rob's film review. Does yes, exactly it what is. it says on the tin. <laughs> it, it, it is the time. It is the it time. It is the time for enlightenment. Now, after last week's, absolutely. It's probably the best film review I've ever heard. Yeah. John but, Rambo, part five, yeah. Last Blood. Well, I mean, it was a, it's a bit of a classic, that John Rambo. Well, it is now. But I thought, I mean, that's fairly fairly recent. That's only a year old, that film. So really? The, yeah, yeah. John, <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. It only came out last year. I really year. didn't know that. I had to yeah. pay for that. 
separately. Seven dollars. I had to buy it off YouTube or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how determined I was to get through John okay, Rambo well, last I didn't realise that. This one, however, is, 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 I've got three streaming services. Free or three? Th- three, the number three. Gee, you're loaded, right? It's not you're very sp- good. Somebody's no, earning. I've got to get rid of one of them. It's not very good. I thought I'd get away from uh, vicious action, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. violent drama. And I, well, as I was scrolling through, I saw a, a poster, which I remember for a long, long time ago as a teenage boy in the mid-90s. Yeah. A picture of Demi Moore oh. uh, completely uh, declothed. Declothed. But uh, sitting in the classic cross-legged stance, and of course, the title of this film... Are we doing strip tease, Rob? Strip tease! Well, I, I say we, it's you, it's not me. <laughs> strip tease! I thought you might have... Uh... If you go in that genre of film, you might have done Showgirls. We brought that up the other week. We did bring that up the other week, but I think I've actually seen Showgirls. I haven't seen, or I've seen bits of it, yeah. as, as I was thinking oh, I said at the right. time. Okay. Uh, striptease is kind of, um, well, I hadn't seen it at all. I remember it clearly at the time, because the, to me, Moore was at the peak of her career at this point in time. Really, because she'd had she'd had like a, a only few one, good men. The only one I can remember is Ghost, obviously. Ghost. You had a few good men. I mean, obviously the mid eighties, like Saint Elmo's Fire. Blame it on Rio, another classic. Yeah. Blame it on Rio with Michael Caine. Oh, that's what I'm going to review next. That's, that's <laughs> right, a, I'm, that's make, a, I'm making a note river. job. Blame it on Rio is the river. Blame it on Rio. Yeah, blame it on Rio. Song means something I've got to do as well. That's for that's for another time. <laughs> right. Um. Oh, and then she did. She had a few good men, and then she did uh, indecent proposal. Oh yeah. And then of she course. also did um, the, the Michael Crichton novel about uh, Michael Douglas in the sexual harassment case. Um, Disclosure. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Oh, so that's she, actually a good film. I she, remember that. They're very good one. And that, that, so she had a run of all these like pretty yeah. big hits and she's on fire and then clearly at the same time during this period she's um got herself some pretty spectacular implants yeah, yeah in did. fact i would say that the 90s is a, that was the time of the implant if you think about it it really was i mean if you think of the, the two main people when i think about Pamela Anderson, the, the, obviously. The, the rise of the implants is Pamela Anderson and Demi Moore. Right. Hers weren't quite as crazy. But I've just got to say very quickly. <laughs> What's that? What was on TV the other night was Steven Seagal. Um, Eric Alaniac. Eric Alaniac. Yes. Called, what uh, film is that? Under Siege. Under Siege. Yeah. Classic. Another classic. She comes out of a cake. She comes out of a cake. For no reason at well, all. Well, she's a bit dazed and confused. She thinks the party started. but um, Yeah, but she's on, no. a, she's on a ship. Yeah. In a cake. Yeah. Let's think about it. It's not- Why did implants make you think of that? Don't know. <laughs> Don't know, Rob. You tell me, mate. You tell me. Well, she, of course, was the first Baywatch. original Baywatch. She was in Baywatch. Pamela Anderson came in and took over after she left. Oh, weren't they not in the same... Oh, maybe there's a crossover. I don't think so, though. No, see. I think they knew she was Actually, a big loss. They've been uh, they've been repeating Baywatch uh, in okay. the afternoons. So we've had the 18... 18- because she was Shawnee. It was the er- Erica Luniak. And then when Pamela Anderson came in, what was she, DJ or something? CJ. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. So on Australian TV in the afternoons, we've had the A-Team and Knight Rider, and the A-Team's been replaced by Baywatch at the moment. Okay. So we're getting all There's the, some great the episodes of Baywatch, you know. What it a show. It probably is. I just remember the very first one, and the sound, the music was brilliant. Yeah. A bit of Bruce Hornsby and the range was kicking on through there. Okay, and, okay. Oh, it was good. Well, anyway, as I said, Demi Moore's at the height Ho- of her powers. Hobie, is he called Hobie? Hobie, the little boy. Yeah, he found Ho- a dead... Hobie or Kobe, I think He, he found a dead body yesterday. 
yesterday was oh, and then ah, yeah. then he got left out. Of, you got to grow up sometime, Hobie. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, if you're going to try and live up to the legend, that anyway, is carry Midge. on. Let's get back to it. Midge has implants. So, well, no, you lost my train of thought now, Beef. So, oh, Demi Moore. Yes. So, she's, as I said, she's at the peak of her career. She Everything's was. going well. She's dominating, and uh, she's married to Bruce Willis. Well, this point already. Yeah. And so, as a big celeb, she's just getting hounded by paparazzi and whatever. She negotiated for the time at the. Filming of striptease was paid the highest amount of money by a female actress in the history of film. Wow. $12.5 million they paid her to do this film. 1996. 1996, that's right. I actually thought I would just review this because I never really... I'd heard maybe this wasn't the greatest clip greatest film ever made but I thought I would just check it out now you said before what we were talking about before that had Rotten Tomatoes you're talking about this film Two Towns Twin Towns Twin Towns which is a Welsh That's film and you said week, it came yeah. in at 30 or 40% 43% in Rotten Tomatoes official reviewers but public reviews of public 80, reviews okay. 89% which is phenomenal this one on Rotten Tomatoes I, I've got it right in front of coming me coming at 11% 11% <laughs> Eleven percent, Rob. And IMDb, which is pretty forgiving, four and a half out of ten. Metacritic. That's forty-five percent. That's Me- they're very forgiving on IMDb. Yeah, okay, right. Metacritic, thirty-seven percent. I'm going to tell you the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes because that's right in front of me. Yeah, that comes in at a woeful twenty-four <laughs> percent. That's one of the lowest we've seen. That's even lower well, than Junior, I think. Look, let's just confront the elephant in the room. Here. Let's confront it in the same way that they had the genius of putting Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito together for. Junior, thinking this is the winning formula, they thought we're going to have Demi Moore regularly naked in this film. <laughs> That's going to carry it. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah. Wrong. It doesn't work. Although I will say, even though it cost fifty million, it still took in one hundred and thirty million dollars, and I think that's what made it the money. You got to remember, twelve and a half that went straight to me the mall, though. So it's fifty million dollar profit for the whole rest. And of it, it cost a bit to make well, a film. Fifty million it cost. Yes, twelve and a half to Demi. Yes, she would have got percentages on top of that as well. They normally do. Of I don't know. I, I'm not sure if she wanted to be attached to this. <laughs> Fair enough. But it must be an amazing thing when you're amidst making a film and you suspect maybe maybe this is going to be a complete disaster but you don't know for sure and then you have to sit through the premiere and it comes out with this pile of shit honestly this film is so confused it doesn't know what it's trying to be the tone is an absolute mess so basically what's the plot rob well demi moore is married to the t-1000 off terminator 2 so um what a machine so it's the same bloke Okay, I don't know. I don't know his name. Doesn't matter. And there's a custody battle. Somehow this guy who's basically a moron has ended up with the with the daughter and she hasn't. Even though she had a job working for the feds as a, some sort of detective secretary type and knows a thing about or two about detective mysteries and authority uh, processes and trying to find justice for what's right for society, etc. In terms of just policing general riffraff. Right. And he's just some bum who's become, somehow through a hookup, has got a job as an informant for the police. And right. so he's still on the inside of the police. So he gets sway of the judge to keep getting the custody. Meanwhile, Demi got booted from her job and has to become a stripper. Has to. <laughs> no choice. No choice. <laughs> she's got to do what she's got to do to support the baby. G- girl, daughter, rather. A bit older than not, baby. Doesn't matter. It doesn't Child. matter. Child. 
child. And, that covers um, all bases, then. So anyway, after sh- there's an opening custody court case scene, Demi Moore just loses and she's skitzing. She's not happy about it. But the thing is, it's quite a, should be quite serious and dramatic, but it's kind of got this lightheartedness about it. And then I read that it actually it's interpreted in many ways as a black comedy. Oh. But the really confusing part is these quite drawn-out scenes of Demi doing her striptease routine just seem totally unnecessary and and a quite sort of sensual and uh, and sexy and yet this film is just a polish it's just rubbish rubbish rub, rubbish and that's where the tone is confused. Right. They're halfway between trying to be some sort of erotic thriller and then just one of these crazy multi-plot multi-plots collide kind right. of farcical Guy, type of film. Guy Ritchie style. Guy Ritchie um, style. This is the critics' consensus for striptease, and you've summed it up perfectly. It says, okay. striptease can't decide whether it is a lurid thriller or sexy satire, which becomes a moot point as it proves disastrously incapable of pulling either off. <laughs> It's quite unbelievable. I mean, we, the opening thing when he walks into the strip bar and there's one of these women with has, I mean, it's beyond implants, it's disfigurement. It's like, it's basically a couple of basketballs. Right. And it's quite ludicrous. And I'm trying to remember how the plot even eventuates. <laughs> oh, Burt Reynolds is in it. I'm just going to say, I see Burt Reynolds <laughs> so, is uh, Congressman David Dilbeck. So Burt Reynolds is kind of obsessed with Demi Moore. Oh, as, she's as she's only been working there for eight weeks at this point. And, that long. And some drunken, uh, some guys who are out like partying with the guys and a bit of a, it's, a, it's Friday drinks uh, after work, man. You know, we've been down to the stock market and now we're going to party at the strip club. And the senator congressman guy, he is appalled that one of these jock blokes jumps up and is trying to dance with Demi Moore and he runs up on stage and smashes him over the head with a bottle of champagne he's drunk as hell as Burt Reynolds and someone gets a photo of him doing that and that becomes the centrepiece for the whole plot there's just this one photo of the congressman belting this guy (laughs) overhead with a champagne bottle at the strip club Mm -hmm. and that's going to be enough to cause problems as such in terms of destroying his reputation which they're trying to hide and upheld Right. And it's just not a strong enough plot point to carry the film. It's one of many flaws. <laughs> one of many. But meanwhile, but Demi Moore is obsessed with the Eurythmics. Every single time. Oh, it's, really? Yeah, well, because like, there's always sort of these loud rock and roll type routines. But with her, it's always these sultry, dark, oh, yeah. uh, tense build-ups before the chorus breaks out. And, Sweet uh, dreams are made of this, Rob? Yeah, that does come in. That comes in later on. Oh, and yeah. um, she does a lot of practicing in the bedroom at home and things like this. Oh, yeah. Eventually, the daughter, she has to take her in for the night into the club. And she's a bit shocked to see her out dancing on the stage. And that's a bit of a moment of concern for Demi, which gets a bit emotional as to what the sacrifice she's having to make and her daughter having to see her go through this. Um, but that emotion is short-lived as they got to get back to the lame gags. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> and even at the end... At the end of it, with all this rubbish, doesn't really come into place at all. I'm still quite confused. The only male character that's vaguely upstanding is the upstanding is the detective played by Armand Asante, right. and you get the impression that maybe they're going to end up together in the long run at, at the end of it. Mm. And what else happens, Beefy? Did, have I really described anything apart from the fact that the no, there's a there's a custody battle, and she's ha- she has to become a stripper yeah. to make ends meet. And well, the T one thousand ends up being he's a disastrous bloke. This guy, he's hopeless. And at the end, he's just he's just kind of drunk the whole time. And at the end, when all these people kind of come together, and all of a sudden, when it's just like the the, the ultimate scene, the penultimate scene of the film. And it's it's supposed to be this big coming together of all these plots and and the unveiling of what's really going on. They just cut 
and go back to the strippers and they're playing jump rope with the daughter. Like whilst naked or No, 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 oh, that's okay. not appropriate. No, I was gonna say no, no, it's just they're just out they're just waiting outside the shed while they're inside dealing with all this drama. Well, okay. Um it was a strange edit. I think it was an attempt at a gag, but it just oh. went amiss. Do you want to hear Gene Siskel's review? Sure. From Siskel and Ebert, Yeah, obviously. yeah, to see if I'm going well or not. Says, the striptease script is at a loss for any kind of drama between Moore's dances. Not for a second do we care about her as a mother, a wife, or a working woman. <laughs> so... I think he's kind of in your uh, ballpark yeah. of the uh, review. Uh, there is a guy from the Daily Telegraph who's uh, Chris Petrant. Uh, I don't know if the lawyers are currently scanning the contracts for striptease in order to find out what went wrong in the small print, but someone got badly conned. Mm. And that someone is mostly the audience. <laughs> well, I also would say the other person that got conned or at least made a terrible decision is Demi Moore because this was actually the film yeah. that sent her... She disappeared pretty much after this. Well, not not completely, but she, was, she wasn't she was getting anywhere near the same roles. And she did sort of remember... She had a big comeback when Charlie's Angels came out and she came was back she as that? skinny Demi Moore. Yeah, well, ages later. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was Lucy Lou, Drew Barrymore and... Was it Demi? as well um she was like the fourth one that came oh on. the fourth charlie's angels okay yeah mm. or maybe in the second one or something like that some sort of reboot oh was there another one yeah okay i didn't know that but um i would probably only give this a one star i think or ha- even a half a star half a star yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's it, it doesn't even really one get going half a hacker um, that's it. There's very little I can say about this film other than you're just sort of watching a bit baffled most of the time. Then I'm um, also you are somewhat captivated by the dance scenes, right? When they're going on. So if you want to just probably just watch those bits and don't don't really bother with the, the plot. I'm, it, I'm kind of looking you, you, on. You come out feeling less educated. I'm looking on Rotten Tomatoes and some of the reviews straight up. They cannot decide whether it's a comedy yeah. or a drama. This well, is that's what right. And this is what the film couldn't decide either. And that's why you end up. Just it seems like. This what guy, the hell was that? This guy from the Baltimore Sun, although the movie is a bit too long, oddball humour and a likeable cast keep it entertaining. <laughs> I mean, I don't That just doesn't well, make... Well, Burt Reynolds is an absolute muppet in it. He's oh, just the sort see, of... See, you've got you've to use Burt to his full full effect, haven't you? You can't just let him roll. He's just sort of this happy-go-lucky drunkard who's obsessed with Demi Moore. While she's... Supposed to be being tortured and struggling through this whole thing. He's just sort of floundering about, uh, drooling like a (laughs) a twat. Ah, well. There's no other real poignant moments. Mm. Within it, that—that's the main thing. When you get a film that doesn't know what it's trying to be, well, I think it's uh, very confusing to watch. Yeah. And the director and writer prior to this had actually kind of had some success. Andrew Bergman, I think yeah, his name yeah, was. Yeah. He'd done done a, a few not great films, but things that at least made sense. This one didn't make any sense. And I think it was the infusion of of the totally unnecessary lengthy striptease scenes. It's nearly two hours long. This film. Yeah, it was painful, man. I almost gave up uh, at almost, about you can't about do that. about an hour ten in. Not painful. Well, I gave up on Mortal Kombat. Half a film. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Well, there you go. There's the full review of uh, striptease. Yeah, I feel like Demi I didn't Moore. really get to the the crux of the matter. I don't think. It, well. I think you're on this in the same ballpark as everyone yeah. else. They're on like a launch for a bit. They hang out on a boat yeah. for a while. I haven't got much else for you on this That's one. That's fine. I, I think you've done an admirable job. Yeah. One thing I will say, there's an old clip of David Letterman and Bruce Willis comes running on to the set dressed in the bikini that Demi Moore wore in the film and he does a pole dance on Letterman. Bruce Willis does. Dressed in a bikini. So that's quite funny. Not in the film. 
Not in the film, though, no. no. But at that time. Right. Yeah, so that was pretty funny. Beef. He's a fun guy, is uh, Bruce Willis. So don't call him the mushroom for nothing. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Love that. Yeah. So uh, what film are we doing next week? Like I said, there's been well, a, there's, there's options. There's been a suggestion from uh, Wales about yeah. Twin Town, which is Wales' favourite film. Yeah. So Ma- maybe th- I'll watch about three and I'll choose which one. You yeah. can definitely do what that. What was one I said before? Oh, blame it on Rio. Blame it on Rio. I've just yeah. looked up another one that's popped up in the same vein as Striptease, and it's mm-hmm. Gloria, starring Sharon Stone. Okay. Who knows? Could check it. Hey, did you hear about Kevin? No. He's in Australia too. Spreading himself a bit thin. Yeah. Everyone wants a slice of Kevin. Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues, beef up your snack life. Hi, I'm Ronnie O'Sullivan, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Ladies and gentlemen, here's tonight's top ten. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> Oh, well, Rob, we've got to mm. thank Jack Link's Beef Jerky, by the way. Slice, yep. slice of given. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Carlisle United award a curry to their man of the match. Right. So, I did some research, Rob, because mm. that's what I do. How about a top ten of the strangest awards ever to be given as man of the match awards? Yep. Do you like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully. There's a lot of cricket, a lot of football who, in here. Who's documented this? To be honest, That's a tricky one to find to research. You know me, Rob. I just yeah. find these things. No, no, not. But you've found them. Someone else has actually found them. Well, that's obvious. That's, just, that's <laughs> for everything in life, Rob. I'm not a botanist, <laughs> as we well know. But I'm not out there researching and taking... No, but you haven't found each one of these things separately. I found them on the internet separately. Each, each, you, haven't, you, found, you found top ten things that are crappy prizes. Yeah, but I've written this. I had to find them, Rob. I had <laughs> yeah, to you didn't find write them. It, you found it. Yes, I found it. <laughs> no, I wrote this. What's going what's go- I'm getting bloody sledged here by Rob, who does zero research. Hey, I just... <sighs> did you not just hear my review? <laughs> yeah, I did. Anyway, all right. Number 10. Ex-England white ball cricketer Luke Wright was one of the international stars who played in the Dakar Premier League of Bangladesh. Since there were not enough sponsors for the tournament, the organisers had to think outside of the box for the Man of the Match awards. Right. Wright pulled off a match-winning performance for his team in the competition, and in return, he got a blender as the Man of the Match award. That's a pretty good prize, a blender. Yeah. I mean, I, people he, like to blend things. He tweeted, Please, we won my first match for Abahani today. Have to say, I've never been given a blender for getting Man of the Match before. Here's another entry from the Dakar Premier League on this list. Is a rice cooker that was given to England captain yeah. Owen Morgan. Okay. The English skipper would not have imagined in his wildest dreams he would get such an honour for the, his the, cricketing did skills. Did he receive that overseas? Because that would be annoying if you're touring and you got to get a rice cooker back to... Yeah. No, I, I'm pretty I, sure he probably left it in I would have left it, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> uh, recently in a cricket match in Tekapora Kupwara, Kashmir, a tuna... Yeah. A two and a half kilo fish was given as a man of the match award. Because the organisers wanted to popularise the league, they gave a unique man of the match award to a player. Now, this is a bit weird. The turf was not playable, and players had to contribute funds to better the surface. Hence, to draw the authorities' attention, they gave a two and a half kilo fish to the man of the match award winning player. So they did it as a publicity stunt, basically, Rob. Right. That makes sense now. It does make sense now. It'd be hard to catch a fish around there. In uh, Kashmir? Yeah. Quite probably. 
It had to be a lake fish, a trout. <laughs> uh, I don't know what fish it was. I'm sorry, but I didn't do yeah. enough research, but, Rob. But I'm sure Kashmir is not near the ocean. I'm pretty sure you're right. Uh, it's in a mountain range. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, Saeed Ben Rama, the Brentford ace, did his best to smile through gritted teeth as he picked up the Man of the Match award following his sumptuous display against Fulham before being handed the weirdest award I think I've ever seen. Mm. A copy of the computer game Crash Bandicoot. Okay. <laughs> what, 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 what if you're not into that? Like, exactly. What if you don't have the gaming console? I think you, it's probably uh, variable. Straight on eBay. <laughs> yeah, straight on eBay for Saeed Ben Rama. He was a handy greyhound crash bandicoot. Oh, was he? Yeah, he made oh. a bit of a random comeback from nowhere just recently, and then he's vanished again. Oh, I don't know okay. where he is. Yeah. He's like around Horsham or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, number seven, in South Africa's uh, domestic football cup, telecoms provider Telcom are the sponsors. So perhaps maybe a couple of new phones in it for the lucky, lucky man of the match winner. Mamalodi, a Sundowns player, Hilompfo Kakana looked totally bemused as he was awarded five gigabytes of data. Just, just say the name again, by the way. Hilompfo Kakana. Playing for the Mama Lodi Sundowns. Ah, I see, yep. Yeah, and he got uh, Man of the Match five yeah, gigs five of gig data. data. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, well, at least he can now go on Twitter and be constantly reminded of one of the most awkward pictures in footballing history of mm-hmm. being awarded five gigs of data. Very bad. Number seven, in the 2019 Gillette Australia India One Day International Series, an event notoriously infamous for his weird choices of rewards, the Indian team won the series 2-1, and they received only $500 as their overall cash prize. Sounds underwhelming? Probably not as underwhelming as what Aussie speedster Jai Richardson had to make do with after winning his Man of the Match award. For all his brilliance, all the organisers had to present him with was a rainbow-patterned bat grip and some shoelaces. That's rubbish. No. That, that, that's an insult. That's why, why would you bother with that? <laughs> yeah. That's, you're better off getting nothing. A back grip and shoelaces. <laughs> yes. When do you replace shoelaces? Well, every now and again, I suppose. Surely you just get some new shoes. You do nowadays, yeah. yeah. Gone are the days where you replace shoelaces. Shoelaces. Yeah. And don't forget the rainbow-coloured back grip. Apparently some of the prize money no, did I go... No, I hadn't forgotten that. <laughs> Apparently some of the prize money did go to charities. I don't know why that's okay. relevant, but uh, here you yeah. go. In the uh, number five... They didn't Rob, give the back grip to the charity? <laughs> he probably did in the end. <laughs> uh, number five. In the ever-evolving world of sport, the novelty bottle of champagne has long been replaced, but Zimbabwe are sticking to their guns, flicking a casual two fingers to the disciplines of sports, science and nutrition. Shabini Mines players walk away with 24 cans of South Africa's finest, Castle Lager. Just nice. what every professional athlete wants and needs. Oh, I, I think that's the best one I've heard so far. Easily. Uh, really? Better than the back grip. Better than the back grip. And the, and the shoelaces combined, actually. <laughs> combined. 24 beers compared to what? Oh, the blender. Actually, the blender's not bad. Only if you're in Bangladesh. The yeah. rice cooker. I don't want a rice cooker. What about this one then, use Rob? A, use a pot. Number four. Savelli Kononov a Russian ice hockey goalkeeper, was handed an AK-47 for his Man of the Match performance. That's right, an actual AK-47. And it wasn't done discreetly either. Oh no, the weapon was handed out in the middle of the dressing room in front of all his teammates after Kononov had stopped 36 out of 38 shots. Kononov then quips, congratulations on the win, but if we play badly again, we're going to get shot with it. 
<laughs> Obviously said that in Russian. Right. Uh, it's a bit different. In so the, what he's saying is he missed two shots. Yeah, well, they, I think yeah. they won 4-2, so uh, it's okay. okay. Yep. Uh, it's a bit different in the NHL. The Carolina Hurricanes Player of the Game Award is handed a custom WWE-style championship wrestling belt and a wooden axe. A wooden axe? A wooden axe, yeah. We can't carry a proper axe around on planes. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. But, hey. then, but then when are you going to use it ever? Because an axe is predominantly used for chopping wood, so you, you, oh, surely you need a metal axe. Surely you do. We've always had something last year as a fireman's helmet. This is a new one. Penalty killer Jay McClement said, It's always fun one to pass around after wins. Anyway, that's number four, Rob. <laughs> number three, Polish oh. club Gornik Zaburza hand over a live chicken to their man of the match. That's a good one, too. Yeah, you can uh, use a live chicken. Are, yeah, yeah, they yeah, lay yeah, eggs and stuff. The eggs going. Uh, it's actually presented to the lucky winner by superfan Stanislav Setkowski, who actually dresses up in full plumage, and he breeds the poultry himself. How about that? How about that? I've looked after chickens before, you know. Have you? We house set this house. Yeah. And they had uh, chickens. Yeah. And one of them we saw always sit in the garden every day at the end. Didn't want to get out. It was a bit clucky and that. So I had to always carry it and chuck it in the hen house. And right. I walked down through the pen and then, anyway, I did all that. And then the next day, after we'd finished the house sitting, the lady who owned the place came back. She went through the same thing, went to put the chicken back in the coop. Massive tiger snake just sitting there. This is in Heidelberg in the backyard. Oh, wow. And I was there the day before saying, well, I probably wouldn't have noticed it. That would scare the shit out of me. I would have just thrown the chicken at it and run. <laughs> they don't attack your tigers unless you step on them and things. They're pretty reclusive. They would... kill you, but they're pretty reclusive. But if he came, he would have gone for the chicken. He might have got me in the crossfire. Yeah, might have. Mm. There's a lot of rats around. He probably wanted the rat. Definitely. Australia. Number two, strangest Man of the Match Awards of all time. Yep. Player of the Match Awards, I should say, nowadays. Uh, they're never shy in Holland. Underwhelmed after finishing 15th in the Eredivisie the season prior. Dutch side NEC Nimogen hatched a fiendish plan to coax better results out of their players by promising free bikini car washes to each game's Man of the Match. Well, if you need your car washed. Exactly. Yeah. What's better than a bikini car And if you've got an iPad, you could put strip tees on and watch that while you're there. <laughs> Double double whammy, pardon the pun. Sure. Whoa! Oh, gosh. All right, number one, strangest and bizarrest man of the match prizes in the history of sport. This is brand new. This happened on the weekend, hence why I'm doing it now. Right. The man of the match in a Bhopal cricket tournament gets awarded five litres of petrol. <laughs> in India, anything is possible, especially when it comes to cricket. The rising petrol prices across the country hit the common man hard. So when a cricket tournament in Bhopal saw mm. the man on the match receiving five litres of petrol, the internet went a buzz. Mm-hmm. The cricket tournament highlighted the petrol price, which has been on an, on an increased problem in a unique way. In simple words, the man on the match of the final was awarded five litres of petrol, and the final was played on Sunday, and a cricketer named Saludin Abassi won the five-litre can of petrol. But well, what if he didn't even have a car? He probably doesn't. Probably in a poor area, Bhopal. Yeah. Probably does. They did that $2,000 car, didn't they? So that's going to go on eBay as well. Five litres of petrol. Yeah, Send yeah. that through the post. I saw someone had chucked a half-eaten um, quarter pounder on um, Facebook Market yesterday. Oh, did they? Yeah. Well, apparently... I'll, I'll the, come home drunk. It was done at like four Apparently the, the rage at the moment is putting um, McDonald's plastic straws on eBay right now because you can't get them anymore. Uh, yeah, um, that's annoying. Talking about India. Rooster kills man in India. Talking of roosters, you were just talking about chickens. Yeah. A rooster- I was talking about chickens. Now yeah. what's going on with roosters? Now, ro- now that we've moved on from chickens. A rooster with a three-inch blade strapped to its leg slashed its owner to death 
during an illegal cockfighting event in India. It all went down last week in southern India, where officials say a group of people gathered to watch the bloody sport in the village of Lothunur in the state of Telangana. Officials say the bird's owner, identified as 45-year-old Thangula Satish, was attempting to handle the rooster when something spooked the animal, causing it to stab Satish in the groin. For your information, it's typical for birds to be equipped with blades on their legs during a cockfight. It leads to bloodier and quicker matches between the roosters. The whole thing is pretty horrific. In this case, it sounds like the bird struck Satish's femoral artery, causing him to bleed out at an alarming rate. Officials say he died on the way to the hospital. Because uh. they called the officials, um, all the event organisers going to get two years in jail. Fair enough. That's an incredibly stupid way to go. It you, is. Th- I mean, that's. I think I've discussed this actually. You know, when you the type of death where people laugh at you. Oh, dying? the old Darwin. Yeah, Darwin it's a awards. Real failure. Yep. Huge it is a failure. Huge failure. That's it. Cockfighting. It's not good for anyone. Killed by a rooster. Taken down by a rooster. Of with, all things. With blades strapped to its legs. Anyway, I could beat a rooster. Should we do this? Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Storytime with Rob. Da, 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 da. I just want to sit around the fire and listen to Rob. But this, this is more of a this is more of a medley collection of oh, stories. Oh, lovely! Yeah, yeah. Because we did the Bendigo Band one. We did. Uh, the thing about that one that's quite different to the ones I'm about to just go into now is that by that point we were generally we're a good band and we were we could perform well. And um, you know, I've seen videos of us at that time. Often when you look back at something you've done in the past and you see a video of it, you go, "Oh, that's rubbish." But I've seen videos of we actually were pretty good by then. But if I saw videos of the time period I'm about to go into now, I oh, would be a horrendous watch. <laughs> because the early days of Revolver, my band, were, oh, we produced some pretty bad stuff. Okay. It's fair to there say. There was some good stuff in there as well, though, there was, But there was somewhere in there was some potential, because eventually good. it came right. Yeah, so I'll have to go through what the lineup was in the early days, you see. So uh, I was the lead singer. So I wasn't playing bass at all. So the three main members were myself, my good mate Steve Yatkin, yep. and my brother Matthew on, on guitar. We got Stevie's mate from Hawks Bay, Andrew Palleray, on the bass, and uh, Pallarat. And because Pallarat rhymed, they made it rhymed with Smellarat. Oh. So his na- nickname was Smeller. Of course he was. And then we got this dreadlock bloke, Matt Naira, who is called Crazy Matt Naira. <laughs> And he, Crazy Joe Devola. He was from Hocker Ticker or Greymouth or one on the west coast of the South Island. Like, there's not much going on there. Okay. He was a bit of a surfer type of guy and very loose cannon. Actually, a very bad drummer. But um, <laughs> a very bad drummer. Yeah. And if you've got a bad drummer, everything things don't, gets there, Everything's not too good. Although he could play basic stuff okay. Yeah. But as soon as anything difficult to play, he just couldn't really. He he was fairly loose. Okay. And self-taught. And, um, oh, yeah, well, that's the best. And so it was a bit of a shambolic because, like, look, my brother just wanted to play massive, big, loud chords all the time. I wanted to be Freddie Mercury, but I nowhere near as good, <laughs> not even close. Stevie just really wanted to play shredding lead breaks the whole time. That was his main. And so no matter what the song was, there would have to be a massive lead break for Stevie to just, just go mental. <laughs> not really with any <laughs> composition to benefit the song, just so he was going... <laughs> And then, of course, the the sixth member of the crew was uh, sound man Michael Olfert, oh. who was just my mate who played a bit of guitar. So we were like, oh, you, you can be a sound man. <laughs> sound man. Did he know what he was doing? 
Well, what he knew was how to go to the bar and say it's on the band tab. Right. Yeah, he was very good at that. Excellent. And he he used that one quite a lot. But these are just three very short anecdotes, really, of some of our uh, shambolic efforts. One of which I remember was called the Engineering Society Ball, which we were asked to play. And I was actually quite on this night. I was singing quite well. (laughs) There's two major moments I remember. We used to do a song called Sleep Now on the Fire by Rage Against the Machine. Oh, yeah. Because we were doing covers, right? Yeah. We were still trying to write our own stuff. And at one point in the song, it breaks to a... It just goes to the guitar going... Ding, 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 ding. And the drumming stops where the guitars come in before it launches into the end. Crazy Matt Naira on drums runs out from behind the drum kit and stage dives into the crowd. Wow. But then he just gets caught I, up in the stage dive and the, he goes he goes sailing off meters <laughs> off the stage and we're just playing the guitar and there's no there's no drummer. I'm just gonna say <laughs> he's done a stage dive at a ball. At a ball. <laughs> I mean it's a loosely termed ball. All right, fair I mean enough. you've got a university ball, everyone's munted. Yeah, okay. And it's feral. And before this, our sound man Michael Olfert was actually seen by the security guard in such a state, stumbling up to the sound desk and bending over it, that he was banned from the sound desk. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and there's actually do. a photo of him and my other good mate, Keith Algie, sitting behind the sound desk, and Keith was saying that Olfert would just go, Oi, oi, Keith, watch this. And he'd just grab one of the knobs and turn it up full bore and just go, ah, ha, 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 ha. And no, back to Bendigo, Rob. Take me back. not even know what it was. Anyway, so while Matt and I was off getting his stage dive moment, I had to run in and finish the song off on the drums. Oh. And splashed it out. Ding, ding, ding. Do, 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 ba, 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 ba. And I uh, finished the song off. And then by that time, and then Matt Naira got back to the stage by the time I was on the drums. And, and then he finished the song off on the, on the vocals. Just sleep now in the fire. <laughs> Doing a big Zach What a, what Zach a performance this is. What a performance. And then I, one of my other memories is that some some bird jumped up on stage and was dancing and had the most rank armpits I've ever smelled. <laughs> that was the other thing. And we ended up going to Denny's at about five oh, in the morning. I know where Denny's is in Auckland. Upstairs. It was in Christchurch, this oh, was. It was. This Christchurch. is in Christchurch. Right. And Crazy Matt Naira was just munted and he emptied all the salt and peppers from about six tables just straight onto the table. This big pile of salt and peppers on the table and it was made, we were all sneezing and couldn't breathe <laughs> properly and stuff. And, and he kept calling the waiter, Denny. Oi, Denny, <laughs> where's my burger? <laughs> and then he goes, you're too slow, Denny. Sleep now on the fire, Denny. <laughs> Sleep now on the fire. And then somehow I got home. I can't remember. Yeah. But we moved on from that show. Yeah. That was one of the first ball gigs. We got, actually got paid quite a bit of money in this year. That was, you know, we did quite well as a, as a covers band. And one of our next shows was out at uh, Ashburton, just south of Christchurch. And was there a lot of farmers at these gigs, Rob? This one was a farmer fest. And generally, you might be surprised to hear this, but your standard New Zealand farmer bunch, they're not that keen on a, on a sort of young student rock band trying to prance especially around during, the stage. Especially during Rage Against the Machine Well, stuff. we did that, but what we also did was a uh, Ben Harper song called Steal My Kisses. Oh, yeah. We're very diverse. Right. Now, you may not remember this, but in that song at one point, it breaks down and there's a bit of beatboxing. Oh, is there? It's a beatboxing. Okay. Sort of like that? Yeah, yeah. Now, Stevie, he decided this was going to be his moment to show off his beatboxing skills. Oh, God. (laughs) 
<laughs> and he would plug this sort of microphone, not unlike this fuzzy red one we're talking through at the moment, yeah, yeah. and plug it into his amp and just start doing a... <laughs> Like this, and this, this had gone like quite well at our local bar Illusions in Christchurch. Oh, we used to play have, with regularly. This had got a huge cheer from the regularly packed audience. But uh, however, down on Ashburton, um, with the mongrel farmer crowd just sort of basically being pretty unimpressed with most of the show, to oh. then crack into Stevie and his sort of skating <laughs> and his beatboxing. Alfred Soundman had already passed out behind the stage <laughs> and was asleep, but not attending the desk once again. <laughs> And then just just as he finishes beatboxing, it sort of stops, just sort of, just sort of, mm. and then he just big yelled out real loud, "You're an effing homo!" <laughs> right. Now, then that's the, and then all of a sudden, Alfred asleep behind the desk just wakes up for two seconds, just goes, <laughs>, laughs, and falls back asleep again. Right. That was about the uh, as well as that gig went. Okay, sums it up. However, we did get to finish that show. Oh, did you? We did not at the one we played in the north of Christchurch at Rangi Rangiora. Right. So again, we decide, okay, I think we've got to spritz up our show a bit. We've got to be a bit more interesting mm. for this one. This time we're heading north of Christchurch. Again, sort of farmer rural stuff. But we thought, well, what we'll do, we'll dress up. We'll dress up as characters. We'll dress up. Everyone goes different theme. Everyone's got like weird sunglasses and stuff. I dress up like Mark Knopfler. Oh, nice. Um, with, the, with the headband and stuff. Matt had this giant sort of, uh, oh, what you call, almost like a mink coat style type of thing. He was a pimp. Yeah, and so we look ridiculous. Now, the owner was a nice bloke. Uh, he was very friendly and um, is a, a Māori fellow who was very enterprising, outgoing, was very pleased to have us there. Um, and he sort of mentioned he was a bit of a U2 fan, right. and, which was good for us. We used to do a U2 medley of oh. uh, With or Without You into Where the Streets Have No Name, which, nice, good work. which at the student crowd, they would just go mental every yeah. time. We, we got through and we started doing this show, and it's a bit of a mongrel crowd, and it's, sort of, it's going all right, but not great. We're sort of battling through. And then we launch into the U2 medley, and the owner is... All of a sudden, it just comes storming onto the dance floor and is going mental. He jumps up on stage, he's singing with me for a bit, and then I, I realise he's off his head. So he's gone off and gotten smashed and come back to his own bar and is hammered. And he's absolutely munted, and the place goes off and is charging crazy for these two numbers. And then we'll go, we're going to go to the next song, uh, and we're about, after, after the U2 medley's finished, and we start doing, I can't remember, something. And all of a sudden, we just feel like I can't hear my singing anymore, like it's, it's not sounding, and then it seems like nothing's really going through the PA. And then we look up, and the owner, munted, is up on the balcony, and he's taken over the sound deck, kicked off it off again. <laughs> he's put U2 on the stereo... <laughs> And it's just singing karaoke to the whole bar and it's cut us off. Right. But, and, and it's just him on stage singing U2 karaoke <laughs> while we're just standing there on stage dressed up like Muppets doing nothing, dressed up like Mark How many Knopfler. songs were you into? I think we'd done about maybe 12 songs. Oh, okay. So you don't, you but don't, you don't do But we'd do at least 25 for a yeah. covers night. And we just sort of standing there, just sort of looked at each other, just not really sure what to do after our 10 songs or so and just sort of wandered off the stage. Right. <laughs> Drove back to Christchurch. Did you get paid? We got paid. Good. That's we collected. Amazing. We collected. We made a good amount of money in the in that year. You yeah. know, our local bar was called Illusions, and that was like an, an early '80s strip club. 
type of arrangement. Oh. Double story. Huge place. Right. And it was very famous because um, apparently... Demi Moore Ed- filmed Striptease. <laughs> <laughs> because Eddie Murphy apparently went there when he came into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't update the decor from Ever. 1984. Because Eddie Murphy so, was there and, and he wanted it to stay the same. <laughs> in 1999, it still looked pretty rough. But we came out of that year with about five grand in the bank plus it bought us tickets to go and move to Sydney, um, which we moved into the 48 Dali oh. Road. Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, good times, the early band. Sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, Sounds yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah, Wish yeah. I was around then. Tough rural gigs, those ones. <laughs> they would have been. Like Dave Dobbin. Shamed off stage by a karaoke singing bar. Ah, that would have been brilliant. Would have loved that. Yeah, well, Did his, the crowd then funnel out as soon as he started going, um, I'm not this again. Oh. I don't think they really noticed. <laughs> <laughs> what up? Same old, same old. You? Fifty Shades of Greys. Nice. <laughs> Hey, did you hear the news about Bridget? She's making her way around Australia. For reals? Yeah, she's everywhere. Barbecues, footy, even camping. Well, sounds like she's flat out. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to go to Australia. One day, bro. One day. Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues. Beef up your snack life. Hey, this is Toddy Goldsmith, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. Oh, that music can only mean one thing. Mm. Sporting Gladiator's time. Uh, I got five out of five last week. Yeah. Which is quite amazing, really. First time that's happened by either one of us. It is. My best is four. And very close to five. Yeah. So, uh, naturally, uh, when you get five out of five, you generally win. Yeah. I think we just get straight into it, Rob. Yeah. All right, questions one. I was going to say... The first one will be question one. Yeah, it generally is. I was going to say question sport. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. The film Raging Bull is about which sports star? Jake LaMotta. Jake LaMotta it is, Rob. I thought they were going to have something more tricky to that question, but it was Ah, as simple as that. The trick was in the simplicity of (laughs) the film, of the question. What club was uh, West Ham United originally founded as? Thames Ironworks. Very good, Beef. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Very good. How'd you get that? I know a lot of things. (laughs) A lot of irrelevant things as well. Uh, That wasn't one I was going to get you. No way you'll get that. I don't know why I know that. Uh, Question two. What sport has ranks called Sekiwake, Ozeke, and Yokozuna? I'm going to say sumo wrestling. It is sumo wrestling. Yes! Yes, 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 yes. We went all the way to Tokyo for two days to watch sumo wrestling. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be intrigued to see what the answer is to this one because it might be actually from something quite familiar to both of us. Hang on. Which Scottish footballer was the first to command a six-figure transfer fee when he moved from Torino to Man United? Which Scottish footballer went from Torino... Dennis Law. Yes, correct. Dennis Law. That's not connected to that Brian Clough story. Nah. Nah. So what? Because it's just because it's British record transfer. But he was Welsh, wasn't he, that that whole story? Oh, no, the Dean Saunders story. Dean Saunders. Because I I knew his name started with D as well. Yeah, Dennis Law. That was a tricky question. That was a tricky question. Yes, good effort. All right. Uh, Question three for you. Two each. 100% so far. Mm -hmm. This is rare. What is the only city to host the Olympics on three occasions? Oh, let me think. I know London's twice. Berlin, no, no, no. What else is floating around? Paris. 
Tokyo's twice, I think, would have been twice. Or Athens is twice. Maybe they had them again in the 50s or something. I'm going to go Athens. Go right, first time round, London. London. Damn it! Because they generally always go to London after wars. 1908, 1948 and 2012. That's the first place. Bloody hell, I should have got that one. All right. Who is the current top-ranked female golfer in the world? I don't even know any female golfers anymore. Minji Lee. <laughs> good, good. Right number of names. Park Sun or something. Hyuju Kim. Hyuju Kim. It's yeah. Korean. I think like the top five in the world of Korean, aren't okay. they? Or something? I don't know. No. All right, back even. You're going to get me with golf. Oh, I should have got that. You should, if you don't get this, you mm-hmm. will be disowned. All right. In what sport did New Zealand beat Australia in the final to win an Olympic gold? Uh, I was going to say rugby sevens. That's a great answer. I will have to look that up. It's not the answer I was looking for. To win an Olympic gold. Yeah. They beat them in the final. No, it's not rugby sevens, by the way, because that was Australia beat New Zealand in the final. Just any... Any team sport. Obviously, it's a team sport, Rob. But there must be loads. What, that New Zealand beat Australia in so a final? So it's a one-on-one final? Yes. Why am I going to be saying this is really hard? I mean, netball's not even in the Olympics. Do you want the question again? In what sport did yeah. New Zealand yeah. beat Australia, their God-given rivals, Rob, to win an Olympic gold? It's got. A, it's a, like probably a cycling one, rowing, kayaking. It's not really a team sport, kayaking, is it? Hockey, Rob. 76 Olympics, 1-0. Are you kidding me? How would I even know that? Apparently it's the most famous win of all time in New Zealand well, Olympics. I've never heard in my entire life. Apparently the goalkeeper broke his patella and played on. They won 1-0, Rob. Oh. It's famous. How many times has Tiger Woods won the US Masters? Five. Damn it. <laughs> I tried to count it and I thought it was four, but it was I'm just five. trying to work back from 15. From 15? Yeah, because he won 15 majors, didn't he? Oh, right, yeah, yeah, And yeah, I was trying yeah, to work yeah. out the others. Uh, 97, 01, 02, 05, 19. Long time between drinks. God damn it. All right. uh, Should be fairly straightforward for you. What legendary world record was set on the 6th of May 1964 and lasted just 46 days? Um, Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister's four-minute mile. So now we're even, but you got one to go. 3-3. Damn it. I'm going to (laughs) lose. In 1977 at Eden Park in New Zealand, a streaker ran onto the field to congratulate Greg Chappell on his innings. How did Greg Chappell react? <laughs> what? He hit him with the bat. Is that your answer? Yeah. That's it. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. He belted him about five times. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And the guy ran <laughs> off the field. Oh. You've never seen that clip? Uh, I may have. I don't know. I probably haven't. Not at Eden Park, I don't think. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> really, just twatted him. Yep, not on the head, on the no, legs, yeah, and on yeah. the backside. Was he absolutely naked? Yeah. Oh wow, good yeah. stuff. Oh, oh, yeah, some well. blonde-haired guy, some like little ferret. Oh no, he's sort of built like a Jack Russell Terrier, almost a little stocky little lad. Right, probably famous in New Zealand and, um, still. He, I don't know. <laughs> he took a big bail when he runs off and tries to leave oh, the fence well. afterwards, and then oh. the, the police are in pursuit at that I, point. Um, when I went, oh, what game was it? It must have been the Lions game in Auckland. I actually sat next to a guy that got his kit off yeah. and charged, jumped out of the stadium. So <laughs> was that 2005? Might have been Wales, actually, 2014 okay. or 15 when we went over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sat next to us and I didn't even know. Then all of a sudden he started with about five minutes to go in the game. Gear off. 
over the fence, bang. <laughs> I've seen a clip of some guy who's prepped and ready to go, and, and someone has just, he's sort of quite stealthily slipped his pants off. Oh. And someone's noticed that he's sitting there with no pants on. <laughs> but he's got sort of a jacket, sort of yeah. cunningly, sort of. And then someone's like, oh, this guy's going to go. Yeah, yeah. He's going to go for it. And they've got the camera for it. And sure enough, as soon as the break play, he goes yeah. flying off. But yeah. it's becoming almost encouraged by the ACC in New Zealand. Oh, and, is it? So it's oh, getting get, a bit ridiculous. They'll get in trouble for that. 4-3. Uh, Two in a row for me. I'll try to go easy on you this week as well. Oh, I messed up that uh, Olympic question. 76. 76, Rob. No, Famous. not that one. I should have got the London one. Oh, London, you should have. You're right Hockey. There. Bloody hockey. Evander Holyfield reveals Mike Tyson trilogy will be announced soon as the rivals with a combined age of 112 years collide. I mean trilogy? Uh, They're going to have three fights? No, they've had two already, haven't they? Oh, okay. They're going to do yeah. a third. Uh, the veteran pair, Holyfield, uh, 58, and Tyson, 54, have been in talks over a trilogy fight since January. The 200 million pound epic rematch is set for the middle east this year with dubai the most likely country good journalism that with dubai the most likely country awful 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 journalism Mm -hmm. most likely city to play host tyson is eager to fight again after his november comeback against roy jones jr and after fielding where's it a state it's an emirate. It's an emirate. Yes, yeah. like Abu Dhabi's an emirate. Yeah, yeah, Sharjah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to say emirate, but... It's also a city, Dubai, I suppose, as is. Yeah. But uh, you're right, it is an emirate. Well done. After filling offers from some of the richest places on earth for this follow-up, it looks like a third clash with Holyfield will be announced very, very soon. The American heavyweights went toe-to-toe twice in the past, with Holyfield winning the thrilling November 96 original with an 11th round of stoppage. The rematch, seven months later, is one of the most infamous in history. Tyson being disqualified for biting off a chunk of the real deal's ear. Was it only a month between those fights? Seven months. Oh. So, uh, yeah, and then Lennox Lewis steps in and says he's open to a Mike Tyson rematch if the public want it. Did, I don't even remember them fighting in the first place. Oh, remember there they, they was Tyson's comeback fight, wasn't it? Was it? And the crazy thing about it was they were with two different promoters, so they had all these security guards splitting in the ring in two when they came on. So the, like, I think it was Matchroom and Don mm. King or something like yeah. that. So they had all the Don King people announcing Tyson's side of things. Mm. And then match room with Lewis announcing his stuff before they got it on there. All the security guy. It was quite funny mm-hmm. the way they did it. But uh, yeah, right. But Lewis just dominated him. Eight rounds, I think he went. Okay. What knocked out? Knocked out. Totally yeah. knocked out. So Lennox says, if the public wanted it, then we'll probably talk. I don't know. I don't really have nothing pushing me in the ring right now. People would love to see that fight, but I really don't know. Lewis retired in 2003 after being Vitali Klitschko, but recently admitted he could stage a sensational comeback. The first fight against Tyson was one of the biggest. Heavyweight contest of all time with Lewis defeating the America with a stoppage in Memphis. Lewis was also linked recently with a comeback fight against heavyweight rival Riddick Bowe. Jesus. Big Daddy Bowe. Comeback left, right and centre. This is, it's, it's, it's almost like uh, this is the equivalent of all the rehashing and reboots of all these films. There's nothing new anymore, Rob. People There's nothing just, new yeah. anymore. A woman bit off part of a man's tongue during a wild street fight before a seagull swooped in and flew I off I heard this story. Bethany Ryan, 27, bit part of James McKenzie's tongue off during a fight in Edinburgh. He then spat part of the tongue out onto the floor before a seagull swooped in and took it. Hmm. Ryan has appeared in court to plead guilty to the incident that left the man injured for life. The pair were actually strangers. The pair were actually strangers and got into a fight. After they passed each other, an argument developed. Ryan is said to have tried to walk away from the argument, but the court heard Mackenzie continue to show aggression. He then approached her with a clenched fist 
prosecutor Susan Dixon told the woman's odd reaction, explaining how she pushed his body, then kissed him. She kissed him on the lips, and during the course of that, she bit through his tongue, which caused a piece of it to be removed. Mr. Mackenzie walked off and spat a part of his tongue out, at which point the piece of muscle was picked up by a large seagull that made off with the piece of tongue. The chugger tongue was said to have been between two and three centimetres in size, and Mackenzie could not undergo surgery because the seagull had taken the bit of tongue, meaning it could not be re- reattached. Ryan pled guilty to assault and has yet to receive her sentence. What Imagine that. symbolic arrangement. How weird is it in Scotland? You're in a fight, so you go up and try and snog someone, but then you bite the tongue off. But that's because it was a woman, though, wasn't it? It was a woman. Yeah. yeah. See, that's one that sort of is intriguing, but if you swap the genders, it's horrendous. Oh, yes. You're right there, Rob. Mm. In uh, fact, because I heard that read on Triple R and they were all laughing. <laughs> were they? Yeah. Triple R as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about this? Mm. Talking of uh, birds, as we were with Seagull, not the woman, mm. obviously. Yep. Just want to make that clear. A man called Colin Pigeon has apologised for disrupting a government Zoom meeting as he caught a pigeon. What? Yeah! Research officer Mr. Pigeon noticed that his cat had brought the live bird into the room where he was discussing public finance in Northern Ireland. He quickly moved to scoop it up and was then seen on camera cradling the pigeon apologetically. Colin Pigeon has caught a pigeon! One of the other Stormont committee members remarked, summing up the situation. Oh, could have done that in a Northern Ireland action. No, no, Colin Pigeon has caught a pigeon! One of the Stormont committee members remarked, summing up the situation. We know what type of soup you're eating tonight! Somebody said. Mm. He was given dispensation to go outside and let the bird go free. It was able to fly off and did not seem to be harmed by the encounter. Well, I'm relieved. Good on Mr. Pigeon, releasing Mr. Pigeon back in the wild. Wow, what are the chances? What are the chances indeed? That's like on Cooper Enthusiasm where uh, they go to pick up their billets from uh, the Hurricane Katrina people. It's a family that are looking for refuge and uh, their surname's Black and they're all black. Oh. And Larry Davis says, oh, you call the blacks. That's like my surname being Jew. <laughs> oh, really? That's <laughs> <laughs> just repeating what he said in the show. Yeah, uh, it's not... pretty funny. <laughs> if, if you like that type of thing. Ah, <laughs> oh, very good. we got to, uh, we got to thank Jack Link's Beef Jerky, Rob, mm. being the best beef jerky on the planet. Mm. Tasty. Just a great source of protein. Just a great organisation, frankly. Oh, great yeah. organisation. Yeah. 100% New Zealand beef, grass-fed New Zealand mm-hmm. beef, Rob. You can't get better than that. Yeah, you certainly can't. Astronauts, Rob. Yeah. Astronauts, what do they eat? <laughs> you got it around the wrong up, way. You know, totally it messed it up. It's the food of astronauts, Rob! <laughs> it's the food of astronauts! He's talking about beef jerky Beef there. jerky. Yeah, yeah. Newport. Jack Link's beef Newport, jerky. Newport beef jerky <laughs> Newport is the food of astronauts. It's the food of astronauts. Ah, yeah. oh, thanks to Jack Link's. We new new product you. on the market. Yeah. Newport, Newport jerky. <laughs> Congratulations to Wales winning the Triple Crown. What have you got coming up, Anthony Sign? Horses. Horses. Um, right, um, we've got to thank John D. Rhodes from last week. We haven't lived up to John D.'s expectations this week, but uh, it's been pretty so? good. <laughs> pretty good. All the same. <laughs> we will be back fairly soon. Sooner rather than later. This has been episode 190. Nearly got it wrong, Rob. Oh, Nearly nice. got it wrong. Yeah, episode good. 190. We're just 10 away from getting yeah. Tony Goldsmith back on the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. This has been episode 190 of the greatest sports radio show on the planet. 365. Days of sport. We'll see you next week.